As we study the book of Jonah, we discover that the book of Jonah is really more about Jonah himself than the Ninevites. In the book of Jonah, Jonah is not presented in a very favorable light throughout the entirety of the book. He does not conduct himself in the manner that we would expect of a prophet. This morning I appreciated uh, the ministry of music. God is always good. Uh, this morning we see the perspective of an individual when they lose sight of that truth. Uh, Jonah lost sight of the goodness of God, or at least perverted the goodness of God. Jonah is not pleased when the children of Nineveh repent and God does not destroy them. To say that he is not pleased puts it mildly. The passage under consideration this morning is chapter 4, verses 1 to 4, and the key element is Jonah's anger. Notice Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased the Judah exceedingly, and he was angry. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? You do well to be angry. Of course, the answer is no, he did not do well to be angry. It was wrong for Jonah to be angry. This morning, we want to look at and learn lessons from the, appropriate, the inappropriateness of Jonah's anger. The inappropriateness of Jonah's anger. First, we want to look at the occasion for Jonah's anger, and it was sparing of the Ninevites. If you look at chapter 3, verse 10, it says, When God saw what they did, that is, how they repented, how they turned from their evil, they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. One might expect that, God, that uh, Jonah would have rejoiced over the power of God which is displayed when this great city repents in almost totality. When you think of the thousands of people that turn from their evil way now to serve God. Even if Jonah wouldn't have rejoiced over the turning of these people, one might at least think that Jonah would have been selfish enough to have rejoiced in the way in which God used the ministry of Jonah. Think, Jonah is just beginning to preach. He has just started. And a revival breaks out that is absolutely unprecedented. To think that the preaching of one individual, that a whole city turns on a dime. And even the king of that city, when the word reaches him, repents. Jonah took no such delight. He was not pleased that his ministry was used in that way. Instead, Jonah is upset and he is angry. The object of Jonah's anger is that he is upset and angry with God. First, Jonah is upset with what God does. If you notice in chapter 4, verse 1, it says, but it 
displeased Jonah exceedingly. The end refers to the whole situation with the sparing of the Ninevites, but more specifically, Jonah is angered by God's relenting. God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them. Jonah viewed what God did as being wrong. Being wrong. Jonah chapter 4 verse 1 says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. There are 12 different Hebrew words that are translated into English as the word displeased. The word that is used here refers to that which is morally unacceptable. This word displeased is used of God's response to David's actions with Bathsheba, 2 Samuel eleven twenty-seven. And when the morning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. It's the same word to describe God's response to David's numbering the children of Israel. 1 Chronicles 21.7, but God was displeased with this thing, and he struck Israel. It is the same word to describe God's response to the sinfulness of the nation of Israel. Listen to these words in Isaiah 59. God says, justice is turned back, righteousness stands far away, for truth has stumbled in the public squares, and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. To Jonah, sparing the Ninevites was morally irrehensible. He thought that God was unjust, that it was inappropriate for God to do what he did. He thought that this people should have been wiped off the face of the earth. In Jonah's eyes, God was doing what was unjust. Not because God failed to do what he said he would, but rather because of God's nature. God had forgiven a people that Jonah deserved to be destroyed. And the result is, at the end of verse 1, that he became angry. Oh, let me just say that the NIV translates it the best when it says, but to Jonah this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. It was more than the fact that he was upset. He was morally repulsed by what God had done. And he's angered. The word for angry means to be heated. He fumed. That is to have great resentment. This was his response to God. Not grateful, not thankful, not praising God. He was angry at God. And Jonah, in his anger, confronts God. Jonah confronts God in anger because Jonah had expected God to spare the Ninevites all along. Notice verse 2. And he prayed to the Lord. But this prayer is very different from the prayer that Jonah offered while he was still in the belly of the fish. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 1, then Jonah prayed to the Lord. Jonah prayed then, he prays now. But the content of those prayers could not have been farther apart. In both instances, he's talking to God. 
In the first instance, he's pleading with God. In the second instance, he's complaining to God and finding fault with God. As he vents, the motive is finally revealed to the readers as to why Jonah rebelled against God and refused to go to to Nineveh in the first place. Jonah chapter 4, verse 2. He prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was in my country? He reverts back to before Jonah had ever left. When we were back in chapter 1, I said the book of Jonah reveals why Jonah rebelled against God in refusing to go to Nineveh, but that I was not going to speak about it until we got to that place in the text. Well, we've gotten to that place in the text. One might have thought, if you didn't know the book of Jonah, one might have thought that the reason that Jonah refused to go to Nineveh and instead travels in the exact opposite direction to Tarshish, one might have thought that Jonah was afraid, that he was unnerved, thinking about going to this great city and proclaiming judgment against it. He's only one person. We might have thought that he was afraid for his life, but he wasn't. Or we might have understood his timidity in going to such a great and powerful city. Who was he to speak to people of this class and nobility, but he was not. Or we might have understood and emphasized, empathized with Jonah's feeling that it was a waste of time for him to go to Nineveh. Think of this great, large, wicked city, and Jonah is going to go and preach to it. We might have assumed that Jonah thought, what's the use, what's the point? Who in the world would ever believe? But if we would have thought of that, we would have been mistaken. Jonah's motive in refusing to go to Nineveh was due to his belief that God would spare Nineveh. Notice Jonah chapter 4, verse 2. He prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. Now here's the reason. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. God, I knew that this is what you were going to do. I said it when you told me to go. I believed it then, and I was right. I said, I'm going to go, and I'm going to condemn this city, and you are going to let them off the hook. That's the kind of God you are. You're gracious, you're merciful, You're loving. You're going to get in. And he was ticked off. He was angered because God did not destroy these people. Can you imagine God's prophet being angered because people are being forgiven by God? Can you imagine anyone being upset because others are being saved? Is that even within the 
the framework of, of your ability to comprehend. Well, let me ask you, is there anyone that you know that if they came to faith and experienced salvation, would it bother you? Is there someone that inwardly you would not want to see saved? You would not want to come to faith? In her book, Corey Tenboom, who was a prisoner in a Nazi camp, talks about how when she was at a meeting, giving her testimony, speaking, that one of the people that came forward at the end of the meeting was one of the guards of that camp. One of the guards that was responsible for her city's, for her, for her sister's death. And she said that when she saw him, there was just such hatred that welled up with inside of her. Is there someone that you would hate to see come to Christ? Is there an ethnic group of people that you would hate to see to come to Christ? Are there a group of people that are involved in certain sins that, that you think should never, ever be forgiven? And you would be upset if that person would start to worship with us? Have the audacity to walk in here and sit down and sing praises to God? Would you ever be angry at God's grace and God's mercy to others? Although this gives us some insight, there is much more in this passage than this. For we can surmise that it's the moral atrocities that they committed which was the reason for Jonah's anger, or we can suspect that it was because of the evil that they had done, which is alluded to in Jonah chapter 1, verse 2, that he's upset. But we might be just as wrong as the motives that we imagined for Jonah not wanting to go to Nineveh in the first place. For we find out, which is the most important, is that Jonah is not just upset with what God does. He's angry at God for who God is. Not just for what he does, but for who God is. Notice Jonah chapter 4, verse 2. And I prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was in, yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful. He now is talking about God's character. Not only, would he knew, not only did he know what God would do, but first and foremost, he knew what God was like. He had a problem with God himself. For I know, I knew that you are a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. I knew that you're that kind of God. How do you know that? 
Well, it's revealed in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, and I could read you six verses from the Old Testament in which that terminology is used to describe God. He knew that that's what God was like. But the point was that he didn't praise God for being like that. He was angry with God for being like that. He didn't find that to be praiseworthy. He found it to be irrehensible. He didn't honor God for that. He dishonored God for being like that. What God should be praised for, Jonah finds fault with. In the book of Joel, the very same words are used to bring praise to God. In Joel chapter 2, verse 13. And rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Word for word. Said in a glorious way in Joel, here said in a despicable way in Jonah. What God does in love, Jonah finds to be morally irrehensible. One might wonder how such perversion can take place. Well, today, there are many theologians referring to God sending his son to die on the cross for our sins as cosmic child abuse. What is intended to bring great honor and glory to God in the giving of his son? For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. Many theologians are turning and saying to God, that's, that's irrehensible. That's just morally unthinkable. That's cosmic child abuse. God sending his son to die? Oh, I can't serve a God like that. I won't worship a God like that. A God that would do such a thing to his son? I don't want, I don't want any part of it. Actually, we find that time and time again, people find fault with a character of God that should be praised. The uh, expositor's commentary says this. And it's very insightful. What is clear is that Jonah was finding fault with God as he really is, not as he imagined him to be. Jonah is not mistaken about the character of God. What he's mistaken is as to how that character is to be understood. He's right. God is gracious. He's right. God is long-suffering. He's right. God is slow to anger. He's right that God is abounding in steadfast love. And he's right. He does relent over disaster. He's wrong in finding fault with God about that. This trait reading again from the expositor's Bible commentary, this trait is more common among godly men than we sometimes realize. It explains why those who pride themselves on their loyalty to Scripture hold doctrines that stand in plain contradiction to the revealed character of God. You see, there are people that hold to the 
inspiration of Scripture, but will reject the way that the Bible characterizes the actions of God. I know many people that if you bring up the doctrine of election, get angry. They're upset if you start talking about the doctrine of election and say, oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't serve a God like that. Oh, I, I couldn't praise a God if election is true. That is not what I understand justice and fairness to be. It's not uncommon that people find fault with the actions and the character of God. For some, their understanding of fairness provides the basis for their rejecting what God does as being immoral or inappropriate. I want us to look at Jonah's irrational response and his anger. When people are angry, they often are irrational. You can't reason with them. So we have this common way of referring to people, and we say they get mad. The word mad simply means to be insane, irrational. You can't reason with them. Jonah is so angry at this point, he's irrational. What Jonah now says makes absolutely no sense at all. Jonah's response to all of this is that he wants to die. Verse 3, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. What a strange and foolish response. I'd rather die than to live in a world where Ninevites are spared. I'd rather die than to deal with a God who's gracious and merciful and long-suffering and relenting. I'd rather die. Stuart Douglas, in the Word Biblical Commentary, says this, and he's right on. I quote, It was not simply the case that Jonah could not bring himself to appreciate Nineveh. Rather, to a shocking extent, he could not stand God. Let me say that again. Quoting Stuart, Rather, to a shocking extent, he could not stand God. Now, lest you think that that's an overstatement, unless you think that that's not what's going on in Jonah's heart, Look back at Jonah chapter 4, verse 2 again. That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Now keep your finger there and go back to Jonah chapter 1. I want you to see what is said three times. Jonah chapter 1, starting at verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee, to flee to Tarshish 
Now these words, from the presence of the Lord. He was trying to get away from God. Moving on in verse 3, he went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. It's repeated. He's going in the opposite direction to get as far away from God as he can. God said, go there. So I'm going there because I don't want anything to do with God. Because he's going to let these people off their hook. Look at verse 10. Jonah's account to the sailors. Remember the storm has come. All of these things have happened. And Jonah speaks to the sailors. Verse 10 of chapter 1. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. They understood this was the great sin. They understood that this was the great problem. He was fleeing from God. It wasn't that he hated the Ninevites. It was he hated God because God didn't hate the Ninevites. Jonah wanted nothing to do with God. He didn't just want to be away from the Ninevites, he wanted to be away from God. Jonah was rejecting God and God's activity in his own life. Think about this. Think about this. This is a prophet. This is a person that we know is born again. Christians can actually become so angry with God, they want nothing to do with him. They try to put him out of their heart and out of their mind. When people are angry with God, they run from him. They want nothing to do with the church. They want nothing to do with coming under the sounding of preaching. I have often said to people, I am not surprised if when people have a problem with God, they're going to have a problem with the church. If people have a problem with God, the last place they want to be is here. They want to be in Tarshish. They want to be at home. They don't want to be bothered to hear anything about God, His Word. They're not encouraged when people say, I'm praying for you. They are turned off, they are upset, they are angry. What's the amazing thing is that Christians can be that way. That's sobering. Jonah is so bitter that he would rather die than to live. Verse 3, Therefore now, O Lord... Please take my life from me, for it is better to die than to live. This is Jonah's reversion back to his own old self. This is Jonah saying to the sailors when the winds 
and waves have come because of Jonah's rebellion, throw me into the sea. Just a chapter before, remember what Jonah had been through? Remember the storm? Remember his being cast into the sea rather than to repent and submit to God? Remember Jonah almost drowning? Remember Jonah being swallowed by a great fish? Remember Jonah being humbled and crying out to God for deliverance? Remember that? Jonah didn't. Jonah didn't. He forgot all that he had learned. He didn't come to realize and appreciate God's grace in his own life. Those characteristics that he found so appalling because God spared the Ninevites he failed to recognize were the very same characteristics and attributes that spared his own life. He failed to realize the grace and goodness of God to him. Here he is surely ignorant of the mercy and grace of God that have been shown to him. The grace that God has shown to Jonah, he hates being shown to the Ninevites. That very grace of God, Jonah overlooks in his own life. One could argue that Jonah deserved to be destroyed more than the Ninevites deserved to be destroyed. It is amazing that God gave Jonah a second chance. It's even amazing that God gives him a third chance. That God is going to continue to be gracious to Jonah. That God's going to work with Jonah. That God is going to be merciful to Jonah. God's gracious response is given to us in verse 4. And the Lord said, do you do well to be happy, to be angry? Do you do well to be angry? What a gracious response on the part of God. God is even more gracious than he realized as is going to be considered next week. The question for Jonah simply is this. Jonah, are you justified? Jonah, is your anger a righteous anger? Is your anger a holy anger? Are you really angry at what you're supposed to be angry about? Have I really done what is morally irreprehensible. At this point, Jonah's answer would be yes. And we can say that emphatically. We know that from Jonah chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, if you look there. God's going to work with Jonah. We're going to look at these verses next week. I'm not going to explain them at this point except to make this point. When the sun rose, verse 8 of chapter 4, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. 
But God said to Jonah, do well to be angry for the plan? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry. Angry enough to die. So God is continuing to work with Jonah. Here's the first time. Jonah, do you do right to be angry? Then he works with Jonah, and he says, Jonah, do you do right to be angry? You better believe it, I do right to be angry. I'm so angry I could die. What an incredible manifestation of the grace of God. What an incredible question. Do you do well to be angry? It's a lesson for Jonah to contemplate. And I would say to you this morning, it's a lesson for us to contemplate as well. I ask you this morning, are you angry with God? Are you upset with anything that God has done in your life? Or the character of God that's been revealed in the scriptures? Do you do well to be angry? Do you fail to see the grace of God? Do we justify our anger and lack of acceptance of parts of God's word as somehow acceptable and morally right? I talked about the doctrine of election. People that get so angered at the doctrine of election, but they fail to understand that it's that very doctrine that is the basis of their salvation. It's the very reason that they've been recipients of grace. It's the very reason that they've been saved. Just like Jonah, they fail to realize the goodness of God in their own life. They fail to appreciate what God has done for them. I submit to you this morning that none of us do right when we're angry with God. None of us are in a position to be able to find fault with God. How different this book is from the book of Job that speaks of God's goodness. The Lord blesses The Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's to be our attitude. That's to be our response to a God who's loving and gracious and good. We are to see it. We are to give him glory and praise for it. So what do we learn from this passage? Well, first... God's people can act in some incredibly ungodly ways. God's people can act in some incredibly ungodly ways. Even mature people. Jonah was spiritually mature. Even dedicated people. Jonah was dedicated. We somehow have to put life in perspective. Sometimes religious leaders are going to disappoint us. Sometimes they're not going to be the best example. Jonah certainly isn't here. Our faith is not in people. Our faith is in God. 
we learn from people. And one of the things we learn from Jonah is that all too often, repentance on our part is short-lived. Was Jonah's repentance sincere when he was in the fish? When he was crying out for God to spare his life, to deliver him? When he gave praise to God and said, God, I will pay my vows. I will go to Nineveh. Was he being sincere? I believe he was. I believe he was. But unfortunately, it was short-lived. Unfortunately, all too quickly, he reverted back to his own way. That's a great temptation for us all. That when times are difficult and hard, we repent. We go to God and ask for his deliverance. We ask for his help. We ask for his mercy. Life is tough. And we regret our sinfulness. And we say, God, won't you forgive me? Won't you restore me? And he does. And life improves. And we go back to our old way. We need to pray for consistency. We need to pray for diligence. We need to pray for perseverance. We need to pray that we don't have to learn the same lesson over and over and over and over again. Have you ever gotten frustrated with yourself? Going back to your old ways? Going back to your old thoughts? The only solution to that is a fresh look at the character of God. Let us not focus on ourselves. Let us focus on God. And let us not stand in judgment of God, but let us learn from God. The God who was angry relented. Jonah became angered at the God that relented. Like Jonah, we can be very blind to the blessings of God that we enjoy. I mentioned the doctrine of election. Anger against God is more prevalent than we might think. People upset by circumstances, events, happenings in their life. And they disassociate themselves from God. They quit reading the scriptures. They quit coming to church. They're running from God. Foreshadowing of next week, but God in his grace pursues us. There's comfort. There's grace, because God is gracious and long-suffering and merciful. He is the God that Jonah thought him to be. But Jonah has to learn that those are wonderful traits those aren't unholy traits. So my closing thought to you this morning is, just in case anybody is upset with God today, I ask you, do you do well to be angry with God?
Let's pray. Our Father, help us to see the grace and mercy and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness of God in its glorious light that we are to understand it to be. May it not anger us that God is gracious, that God forgives. Oh, Lord, may we understand your grace and your forgiveness in our own lives. Help us to understand, were it not for your grabbing a hold of us, that we would never have responded to you. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. May we never, ever, ever lose sight of that fact. And may we not see ourselves as morally superior to others. Lord, thank you for the honest revealing of the heart of Jonah. Oh, Lord, search our hearts and know our ways. See if there be any wickedness in us. And lead us in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.